I, I like to talk about how the land that surrounds our historic sites are lands that witness history. And, you know, people may come and just want to get fresh air, um, walk the ground, um, enjoy, you know, the, the different ecosystems that surround our historic structures. And so we've been really encouraging people to make use of those. Um, we've really launched a, a number of initiatives, uh, a lot of digital initiatives. That's also been something that certainly has come, you know, to a, a whole new stage uh, in the life of our division. Um, because of the pandemic. So certainly a lot of digital meetings, virtual meetings, but not just that, a lot of virtual resources, a lot of digital humanities, um, opportunities to connect with audiences, to support families as they were trying to fill in some some opportunities for learning for their young people, um, people who had mobility issues. We wanted to reach them and say, we're here for you. We want to offer some solace, some comfort, but also some education and entertainment and recreation, no matter where you are. Um, so we have lots of programs that, that have helped to do that. And it's been a certainly a challenging time for us, as it has been for everyone else. But I can say that we've grown in leaps and bounds and really being um, memory keepers that can meet the moment. And most of the history, well, not most, I think you told me that the historic sites are open now. And I know in reading uh, uh, your excellent website, which you can take a, a kind of a virtual tour just there, and I, I took one this afternoon, that uh, the the uh, sites are, uh, for the most part, open. And, and most of them, as we used to say, the price is right. That is, they're free. I think you would say, I think it said donations would be accepted and appreciated, but it, that's one of the nice things about it. I need to tell you a quick little story, Michelle. Uh, well, before you do that, Tom, yes, all of our sites are open, and they've been open in some capacity for almost a, you know a year. Our grounds were open during the pandemic. Um, our structures open have been open for quite a long time as well. And yes, um, to to come, um, almost all of our sites have um, free admission. Some of the sites do have admission, and we do have. Um, a small, very nominal fee for guided tours. Um, and so we have a variety of ways to experience our sites, from, from free experiences to, um, to paid experiences. So we have something for everyone in our division. I wanted the story I was going to tell is about uh, uh, last time, in this last year at this time, I was in a, a recovery center uh, mm. recovering from a broken leg. And one of my th therapists was a man named... He had the male version of your name, Miguel, and mm. he was born in, in, I think, in South America, but he, he'd come to, to Raleigh to work, and uh, we, we spent a, a, a lot of time together as he tried to get me back in shape, and I was taking the opportunity, being the history teacher I am, to tell him a little North Carolina history, and he fell in love with Halifax, the name Halifax, yes. and I told him about the Halifax resolves and everything, and I pointed out to him, and this is the reason I wanted to tell them that there's an excellent uh, historic site in Halifax where he could go visit some of the the uh, colonial and just before the Revolutionary War situations in North Carolina. And I think he got a really big kick out of that. And I think he, I hope he followed up on it. Uh, but uh, well, it's a it's well, a good way to thank you. Yeah, well, thank well, you. Well, it was a great teaching resource. It's good to have 
a book to point out to somebody or, or a site that somebody can go to who who is starting to learn about something, and he got a big kick out of that. Well, thank you so much for talking um, about our sites, and, and we certainly all are grateful that, um, for for his role in, in your health and, and recovery. Um, and it's so interesting how sharing historic memory and 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 the kind of the the rich stories of of our state can be a you know a source of connection. Um, I know for me, you know, that's been the case. Um, my father just recently passed away, and the last book that he read was inspired by Alamance Battleground. Um, but Halifax certainly is a site that I find to be extremely fascinating. You know, it's in eastern North Carolina. Of course, it's in the town of Halifax, in Halifax County. And what's really interesting to me about that site is that there are so many layers of history there that are really profound. The Halifax Resolve, the Revolutionary War era, really important. We can also talk about the story of North Carolina's Underground Railroad history. Um, there were a lot of free people of color during um, the time of legal slavery or the antebellum period, one of the largest populations of free people of color of any place in the state and even in the nation. And there were also a lot of um, extremely skilled artisans who were enslaved and a, a high level of literacy among enslaved people. Um, you also had Quakers in the area and a really important um, route, uh, maritime route, the Roanoke River. So when you put all that together, that creates kind of a perfect storm for what we call freedom-seeking or people who are fleeing at that time um, bondage, uh, slavery. And you can actually see in some of the slave ads, the runaway slave ads of the time period um, that, you know, are advertisements um, that were meant to, for, you know, slave-owning families to um, obtain uh, an enslaved person back under their control. But there were so many from that area and actually all over North Carolina. And so we helped to tell that story at Historic Halifax. Um, and then, you know, going even further, you know, there's quite a, a powerful story of civil rights um, in that area. There's a Rosenwald School in that county. Um, there's a really important poet who was born nearby, George Moses Horton. Um, and, and, of course, founded one of the, you know, the founder of UNC Chapel Hill. So, I mean, you know, William R. Davey, and we have that house. Um, at the site. So there's so many stories at Historic Halifax. It's really, really fascinating. I encourage people to go and see it for themselves. I think you'll have a, they'll have a really, really interesting time. We've paid, uh, I'm going to stop you now because you've paid, you've, you paid us, we paid a good trip to Halifax County now and, and I think we've been properly enticed and we need to take a break. So this may do me a good place, but we'll have to come back and uh, I, I'll have to admit that I wasn't as well aware of the significance of the Underground Railroad in that part of North Carolina. I'm more familiar with the Quakers in in the Triad, you know, area. Yes, in Greensboro of course. So yes, the Coffin family around Newgard. Yes, right, and so on. But uh, there, there, there are lots of stories in the history of the historic sites, and I hope you will talk about some more if you have other initiatives and the particular ones that you think would. Uh, would would be a good draw, particularly with with African American history. Maybe 
that's a, a, a part of our history that has been shortchanged. But right now we need to take a break being commercial radio. And we'll be back in just a couple of three minutes with uh, Michelle Lanier, the director of the North Carolina Historic Sites on WPTF. Our guest tonight, Michelle Lanier, who is the director of the North Carolina's uh, State Historic Sites. There are 25 of them, and she's taking us on a, a tour of one of them. Michelle, is uh, uh, any particular area? I mean, I can I can say, hey, Michelle, let's go uh, talk about the, uh, uh, the Thomas Wolf House or, or the Reed Gold Mine or something like yeah. that. But, but you know, you're the, the you're the brains of this outfit. You know, we're like as you <laughs> pointed out, you've had new initiatives at places like uh, uh, the uh, where we were talking about before we took the break. But is there any particular place you'd like to go now? Well, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I would say as a collective, the, the historic sites in North Carolina have um, really been working hard to um, innovate in this moment. And so for me to pick one is definitely tricky. Um, I'm really pleased with a particular initiative that I want to call out called Singing on the Land. Singing on the Land was a partnership, and I think that's really the best way to raise awareness around our state's rich history is through partnerships with communities, with artists, um, with businesses, with um, community organizations. And so this was really a, a wonderful opportunity. Um, we partnered with the North Carolina Arts Council, as, and it was an effort to extend um, some of the effort that they had already um, put into a really phenomenal um, program called Come Here, H-E-A-R, so um, Come Here and See. And we connected arts and history and land and nature together. Um, the fiscal sponsor for that particular project was Town Creek Indian Mound. Um, Town Creek Indian Mound is in Mount Gilead, North Carolina, and we know that there were people there, you know, 13,000 years ago, um, and we still walk those grounds today, um, part of a mound-building culture. Um, we know that it was a part of a, a ceremonial or community center, if you will, of a really thriving community right on a river, and, you know, it's a site that I think traditionally has been associated with archaeology. But increasingly, we have been looking to connect in a, in a more meaningful way, in a more robust way with our, our living tribes. We know that North Carolina has a, the largest population of American Indians um, east of the Mississippi with the eight state-recognized tribes, and we see Town Creek Indian Mound as a place where we can have intertribal connection and exchanges there. Um, so I was really so honored and humbled that Town Creek Indian Mound support group, their, their friends group, made themselves uh, available to be a fiscal sponsor for Singing on the Land, which included performances of um, vocalists and instrumentalists, instrumentalists ranging from cellists, uh, Dana Tucker, um, and... Um, Kelly Shabu, who plays Cora, and we had um, we also had a traditional bagpipe artist, traditional fiddler, um, guitar, all in from all different cultural groups in North Carolina, from 
Lumbee and Halawasaponi to African American and Celtic, um, really powerful programs. So I encourage people to look up Singing on the Land. Um, you'll see um, these performances have been recorded and are on YouTube. Um, and we had uh, sites that were represented. We talked about Halifax a, a bit, but also the Charlotte Hawkins Brown Museum, which I have a lot of family connections to, which is at Historic Palmer Memorial Institute. Um, we had Alamance Battleground, which just commemorated the 250th anniversary of the battle that um, gives it its name. Um, we also were at Horn Creek, um, which is a place where we can learn about agrarian life and, and family in the late 1800s. Michelle? Um, yeah, it was a powerful, powerful project. Can I do one of my radio things here? Uh, yes, sir. And, 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 uh, don't throw anything at me now. But Mount Gilead <laughs> is... Mount, no, no, no. I, I, I have been dealing with listeners who call up and say, where is this Mount Gilead place that you were yes, talking about? Yes, That's yes. near Charlotte. And Charlotte Hawkins Brown is, I believe, near near Burlington or Greensboro. Am I not right about it's that? In, yeah, Sedalia, North Carolina is okay. not far from Gibsonville and Burlington and Guilford County. Thank you for doing that. Right. Well, people, you know, and uh, we may have somebody who wants to drive up to Charlotte. No, right. Hawkins Brown. I mean, no, I... I, w I went to Wake Forest when I was an undergraduate. I've been up and down I-85, and I, I've never been to Charlotte Perkins Brown, but I've passed the sign a thousand times. And so well, we I know where it is when I, get, when I get ready to go. But, yes, uh, that's, yes. That's just the, the thing I wanted to do. But uh, there, there are lots, you know that mound culture thing was a big thing in America that we really don't learn much about unless we go almost back to prehistory because I know in Illinois and Missouri and places like that, there were huge Indian mounds, and, and the Town Creek Mound is North Carolina's version of that, I think. Yes, I, you know, and I even like to talk about it as pre-European history because certainly these people had their own histories. They had their own cultural traditions, really rich, powerful, you know, history. So, and, and just to answer your question, Mount Gilead, it sure is not terribly far from Charlotte, but then it is in Montgomery County, um, not far from the town of Candor, which was at one point called the peach capital of the world. Ah, okay. Well, let me, let, uh, uh, I was going to say one thing, and I've, I've lost my train of thought now, but uh, <laughs> uh, the, oh, I know what it is, and you named off the Indian tribes, and those are North Carolina Indian tribes. We have a lot of Indians in North Carolina. I learned, I didn't know this until I tried to invite a guest one time to talk about Indians. You didn't name the Cherokees because they're under a federal mandate. Uh, and, oh, but yes, but they're both state and federal. Um, I don't right. name all of them. We have eight state-recognized tribes. Certainly Cherokee are there, and we're really extremely pleased that we're increasing our relationship with Cherokee, particularly um, what we call reenactors, historic reenactors, at Fort Dobbs, which is right. a place where you can go and learn about the French-Indian War. We're really excited about our relationship with Cherokee there. Right, can I stop you now? Because we, we've come to the point in our broadcast where we need to pause for two or three minutes. and uh, But we'll, we've got another half of the program to go and and uh, finding out about uh, North Carolina's historic sites. But right now we need to pause and check the news on WPTF Radio. We'll be back right after this. Our very special guest, guest tonight, Michelle Lanier, who is the director of the North Carolina Historic Sites. And, uh, Michelle, you've been director uh, since I'm, I was telling our, our producer I thought you had been director 
since about 19, about 19, I'm a century out there, 2017. Does that sound about right to you? Yes, uh, well, it's 2018. It's been three years. I came into the department in 2006, so I've been 15 years in the work um, from curator to this moment, but three years as director. Oh, you had time for preparation then, okay. I, I did. I didn't I mean did. to shortchange you. And uh, we, we need to, I keep interrupting you, but that's the nature of radio and when we've got commercials and news. But, uh, and, and you uh, were talking about the Native American tribes in North Carolina, and uh, and so I think we need to go back to that and see how much further you, you need or want to go with that, and uh, and then we will see where else you would like to go in North Carolina. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm I'm really um, so impressed by and inspired by the work of the Commission of Indian Affairs, and I know that they're very explicit that they choose the phrase American Indian um, for how they talk about the eight state-recognized tribes. And we have had a chance to really grow those relationships. Um, Greg Richardson is the... Um, He's the executive director of the Commission for Indian Affairs, and um, I've learned so much from him and his team and the other commissioners who are who are affiliated with that body. Um, Hawasaponi um, tribe is one that I mentioned um, before, and they definitely have a, a a really important connection to historic Halifax. There's a magazine spring there that's important to their history um, at Polk. Uh, James President James K. Polk birthplace, we have a staff member there who's been working, his name's Kyle, and he's been working with the Catawba tribe just across the border in South Carolina to connect with them further. Um, and one of the um, initiatives that I think is has been just extraordinary is the relationship between the Lumbee tribe and Fort Fisher. Um, the reenactment of the Second Battle of Fort Fisher um, that happened just before the pandemic, so that was in January of uh, of 2020. We had a, a really phenomenal reenactment experience in that we had people there helping us to understand the complexities of the Civil War experience in terms of its diversity. So we had people there who were Union and certainly Confederate. We had um, African American reenactors there representing the United the United States Colored Troops, and we also had members of the Lumbee Tribe, including the chairman, Chairman Godwin, and, and other um, cultural heritage um, you know, tradition bearers and preservationists and, and specialists like uh, Nancy Strickland-Fields, who's with the Museum of the Southeast American Indian at UNC Pembroke. That relationship with the Lumbee Tribe is important because Lumbee were among the people who were forced to build the earthworks at Fort Fisher. And so um, we've been connecting with them to help us, and, you know, understand that story and those relationships more. Um, and, and we're not done. We're certainly interested in working working with all of the uh, tribes in, in North Carolina. This is a part of our true inclusion uh, initiative, the concept of truly including all, all history for all people and working with all people to, to get that done. 
we have had a lady on it. I, I, it happens as you get older. I can't remember her name who teaches at Chapel Hill, and you were educated there, so you may remember her name. Rosa Lumbee, and she's written a book yes. about the history of the Lumbee. And Melinda, really Melinda, Melinda Maynard Lowry. There you go. We had a very good interview with her, and uh, and uh, it was nice to have her on. And we can hope that someday the Lumbee will be officially recognized by the federal people too. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, my two cents that I had to offer on that, but I enjoyed our talk with her. And uh, the gentleman named Richardson has been on with us, too. We, we've tried to pay attention to that on our, our radio program, who's Excellent. the head of Indian Affairs, I think, in North Carolina. Yeah. I remember correctly. Okay. And, uh, and of course, Fort Fisher is a state historic site, if I remember correctly. And uh, Yes, it is a really important one. Um, it, it helps us to... To understand not only an extremely important moment in the history of the American Civil War, um, you know, with with the um, with the Second Battle of Fort Fisher, um, you can see kind of the, the beginning ripple effects that kind of closed down the war, and then of course you can learn more about that. Also, the impacts of this moment at Bennett Place, um, where Sherman and Johnson, you know, met. Um, the largest number of, of soldiers surrendered during the Civil War happened there at this small, you know, Bennett place, which is a small place with a mighty history um, in Durham County, right in the city limits of Durham. Um, and just down the road, we have Stagville, where we can explore um, the history of the Annabelle period through the lives of both slave-owning family members as well as the enslaved um, people and then their children who go on to be sharecroppers and then many of whom go on to establish much of what we know to be Durham. And and Durham is interesting because we have three sites right there. We also have Duke Homestead that helps, you know, that this is a site that helps us to understand the, the story of the Duke family but also the history of tobacco because the Tobacco Museum is there as well. We have the Transportation Museum that's down the road uh, further west. I mean, we really have, we haven't even touched on our gold mine, uh, Tom, in the Reed Gold Mine. So, I mean, we have an extraordinary collection of historic sites that help us to see the complexities of humanity and the complexities of North Carolina's history. Uh, Michelle, sometime I want you to listen. I, I know you are in. You are interested, and I'm trying to think of the word, but in in some of the the, the backgrounds to American culture, it's on songs and and other things. And uh, well, there's a, a favorite country song that people like, country artists like Hank Snow and Johnny Cash sing called "The Wreck of the Old 97." It took place yeah. near Danville, Virginia, back in about uh, 1900. But at yeah. the beginning of the song, uh, the, uh, the 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 person who is going to be the engineer is handed a mandate. He has to get, he's in Monroe, Virginia, and he's got to get the get the train into Spencer on time. And, yeah. and I always get a big kick out of when I hear that because I think of Spencer and the Roundhouse and all those local right. that would have been there. But I almost used that as a theme song tonight, but I said, Miss, oh, I was going to wonder if I've gone crazy and she'll probably hang up and won't talk to me. No, I would have loved that. I love going to what we sometimes call the Spencer shops, the shops at Spencer at the right, North Carolina exactly. Transportation Museum. Oh, my goodness. 
And listen, for your your uh, listening audience, if you haven't been to the North Carolina Transportation Museum to see the collection of tra- literally trains, planes, and automobiles, um, please do yourself a favor and, and get there. It's, it's just mind-blowing um, what you can see there, experience, and learn. And Spencer is right off of 85 near, near Salisbury and also near Charlotte. And so it's easy, right. easy to get to. Right, right down the street from one of our state's HBCUs, Livingstone and um, College. And, and there's been some really wonderful partnerships between the site and the college. And, oh, my goodness, the, I, I never get tired of, of seeing the, the trains in particular are so, some of the antique trains are so beautiful. They have these graceful lines. You can see why people get really into train history and collecting train models. They're so beautiful to look at. Yeah, I'm going to show you how to do a radio. I'm, I'm pulling your leg, of course. We're having fun now. <laughs> uh, how to do a radio segue. That's one of my favorite words that I've learned being in yes. the business is going from one thing to the other. But trains yes. were, you know, for the people of the 19th century, were were. Well, the way you got to go somewhere, there was no highways, you know, and, and unless okay. you lived on the coast, but there was there was always the opportunity of going to a big city or going west or whatever. And one of the people who wanted to listen to the trains at night when he was a little boy was a guy named Thomas Wolfe. Yeah, uh, he went in, in Homer Angel. He writes about listening for the trains, and he he was always dreamed of getting out of. He thought Asheville was kind of a hick town, and he wanted to get out and go to New York City, which of course he did. He ultimately came back to Asheville and decided it wasn't too bad after all. But in any event, but but the, his birthplace uh, in Asheville is one of your state historic sites. So the, we, and we it is quite a treasure. Yes, it's in it's you know in the heart of Asheville. Um, Thomas Wolfe. For, hopefully, people know who that is, but he is a literary. He was a literary giant, um, and to see. The pages of his artistry, his writing, enlivened in the, within the walls of his home is just remarkable. You got um, it. And I will, I will tell you, the staff there, the the you know site manager there, and the other staff there, they will bring you to tears um, with the the beauty of of the stories and the and just it's, it's tender tender stories there. Um, that I would invite people to, to come see. If you want to see a story come to life, definitely go to the Thomas Wolfe site. Well, I, I, since I went there the first time, I've always felt felt like the house was a character in the novel, just like a Absolutely. And you can't really understand what was going through his young mind until you've been in that sort of, in that building, in the dark places and in the light places. I, I will begin waxing poetic here in a moment, and I, I need to get out of your way. But I, I did want to get us over to Asheville if we could. Absolutely. That is definitely worth the drive. And then, and then I would say if you're there, please visit Vance Birthplace. I've been really um, just so proud of um, our my colleagues at Vance Birthplace for helping to tell a fuller story. You know, we're all, many of us are thinking about the history of, of wars in our country and in our world, and you know the story of Vance intersects with the story of um, of the Civil War, but also what the the folks at um, at Vance Birthplace have done is they're helping to kind of expand what I call the table of memory to think about mountain life, 
to think about the story of the enslaved people who were connected to that site and that family and to think about the larger community around Rim Creek. Um, and so, and, and it's also one of the most breathtaking um, it's surroundings. It's, it's gorgeous. Yes. yes. Yes, that's the thing that impressed me about it. I was hoping you'd, you'd say that, but uh, I haven't been there in a long time, so it means I've got to go back now. You've enticed me. Please yes. do. Please do. Okay. You're giving us a good tour. I will I'll take you time. I hope you're, you're, you're doing what you would like to do. I'm going to give you a chance to reload here because we need to take another break and identify that voice for people who are listening so they'll know who they've been listening to. Her name is Michelle Lanier. She is the director of the North Carolina Historic Sites, and we are taking a kind of trip around North Carolina, pointing out some, but not not all of, uh, the state historic sites and what makes them particularly attractive to two people, and other people would choose different things, but I, I think it's a good way to learn history. And we'll be back to, to uh, do our last portion of the program and to learn more right after this. 951 at WPTF, Tom Kearney, the Tom Kearney Show for Tuesday night. Tomorrow night, we forgot to do a little promoing. Barry Porter of the North Carolina, uh, Eastern North Carolina chapters of, uh, he's, he's the executive director of the eastern half of the state of the uh, the Red Cross. And we'll be here to talk, as he usually comes about this time of year at our invitation, and talks about how they prepare, uh, especially to deal with the hurricane season, and especially in view of the COVID uh, virus and so on, but he talks about, about the other mandates that the Red Cross has, and Barry, who is a good talker, will be with us tomorrow night, and uh, he went to the Final Four, we'll get him to tell us about that, basketball Final Four, uh, and so I hope you'll tune in then. Tonight, we're talking with Michelle Lanier, who is the Director of North Carolina's Historic Sites. We used to have their folks on regularly, and for some reason, we didn't do it for a while, and I'm glad she's been willing to come back and talk with us. Michelle? I'm so glad to be reunited with you all. This has been such a treat. Uh, what is it? Peaches, peaches and Herb reunited? Yes, reunited. <laughs> I'm, I used to be a yes. disc jockey. You'll have to forgive me. That's the way oh, my, no, that's my, a my, great song. The yes. way my mind works. Well, let me see. We've got yes. we've got about four or five minutes left. And do you have a choice uh, of someplace you'd like to talk about now? If not, I would like for you to talk about Stagville because I think it's a special place. It sure is. Um, I'm I'm actually a descendant of Stagville on my father's side, and I'm a descendant of students who went to Palmer Memorial Institute, what's the okay. Hawkins Brown Museum on my mother's side. Either but one of those did. Yeah, so Stagville is definitely a site where you can learn more about the experience of enslaved people. Um, I would say that um, it's a, it is a time, when you go to Stagville, for me, um, it, it feels like, it definitely feels like a time to be kind of somber, but also in awe um, of the fact that people survived um, an extraordinarily inhumane experience. But we're in the midst of that, somehow able to um, craft culture, family, humanity, um, love. And it's one of the only places that you can actually go and see, you know, original uh, slave dwellings that um, over time were also used by sharecropping families, um, particularly 
out at what we call Horton Grove, which is just across the road um, on Oxford High, Old Oxford Highway in Durham County, just outside of the city limits of Durham. Um, we have our site. We have the Cameron Benahan House where the slave-owning family lived. And we actually even have the ruins of the foundation of the living quarters of the um, enslaved people who were used as uh, domestic servants. And so many powerful stories are attached to that land. Um, the descendants are extremely active um, and connecting with each other. Every day they're meeting new people from across the country and world who have that shared ancestry. Um, and they're, they're connecting with each other as a source of strength, and that's really been powerful. It's also been a place where artists have been drawn to come and create literary art, performance art, visual art, photography, film. Um, so there's this kind of um, interesting transformation of these spaces that have been um, sources of trauma for many people. Now they're, they're being, uh, uh, there's a, a phrase of the African-American Heritage Commission of the state uses a gathering place. And, and so I, I do feel um, drawn there and to, to go and um, bear witness to conditions that my ancestors certainly survived. Um, it's important for me to go back and look and, and think about those conditions. And whether we, it, whether someone has a, you know, a kinship um, by, by blood or not with enslaved people, these, this is our ancestral um, history as a, as a community. All of us can connect to this history across all identity lines. Well, maybe we can do this again and 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 talk some about Charlotte Perkins Brown because I, I would like to learn about that. We, we're slap out of time now. And uh, when you talked about Gathering Place, that reminded me of another historic site, and that is Somerset Place that you we oh, haven't absolutely. even talked. We haven't even talked about it tonight, but which I is know. very special in that respect. So there are lots of goodies in there are, North and it's actually Charlotte Hawkins Brown, and oh, I would love I'm to come sorry. back and talk to. You. Yeah, I would love to talk with you about her commitment to women's right to vote and education. There's so much more. You're right, Tom. We could go on and on. We could go on and on, but uh, uh, you've done a wonderful job tonight. I think John mentioned to you that I might talk with you with for a minute or two, just a minute or two after. We were off the air tonight, so if you don't mind, I'll give you a call. I, it would be my honor. And with that, I will we'll say good night to uh, uh, Michelle Lanier, the director of the North Carolina's Historic Sites, and I'm sure she issues, uh, I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth now, but an invitation to visit any of the 25 Absolutely. historic sites in come, North Carolina. Come see us. And learn what you can. Thank you, Michelle. And, Thank you uh, for having uh, me. And uh, I'll remind you again, our listeners, that uh, we've got uh, just about 10 seconds left that uh, Barry Porter of the North Carolina Red Cross will be back with us uh, uh, tomorrow night, and I hope you will join us then on WPTF.